Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. In a special way, as we start this new series, that you would challenge us and open our eyes. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. And I am starting a brand new series today. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord? And the brand new series is called One More Soul. Say One More Soul. Now, when you came in, many of you uh, got, or all of you should have got a postcard-looking thing that says One More Soul. How many received that? All right. And in the back, because we're going to do something at the end. In the back of that, we're going to start a a spiritual campaign. I know we're in a building fund campaign, but we're going to start a spiritual campaign in the name of Jesus. I said that was three amens. We're going to start a spiritual campaign to get us out of our inward perspective only as Christians and an outward perspective that, dare I say, we need to start inviting people to Christ and inviting people to church. So for the next six weeks, I'm going to put a challenge, one challenge to RCC family. In the back of that card, I'm asking you to believe for that one or two or three. You could put more than one there. That one more soul that you are going to ask God to pray for every day, watch this, and that you, are you ready? Not only are you going to pray for them, but you're going to call them, you're going to approach them, you're going to text them, you're going to email them, however you feel, and I want you to invite them to RCC in these next six weeks because we want to see lives changed and saved by the power of God. Can I hear an amen? Because after that, we want, we, we want to, to get them into our inner healing retreat and, and freedom retreat that's just a month away. So how many are willing to do that? Okay, so I want you to see the value of a soul. The reason why many of us don't share our faith, because either we're scared or we really don't understand how much we're worth to God. So look at Luke chapter 15, and we're gonna, it's going to be on your monitor. It's going to be in the NLT. Now I, want you, I love the NLT because it reads really like we're talking right now. Now, I want you to see, we're going to read from verse 1 through 10 uh, if I have time. But I want you to take notes because this is going to change your life. Can I hear an amen? Now, watch this. Look at the the stereotype from the very beginning from, are you ready? Are you ready? The church people. There's more people hurt because of church people than probably other things. Look at the first stereotype of the religious leaders of that time. Because Jesus was hanging out with (gasps) sinners. Jesus was hanging out with sinners. And look at the response. But I want you to see the response from God. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came, watch this, often came to listen to Jesus. Wait, I'm not talking about church people came to listen to Jesus. Sinners came to Jesus. There's something about that man that I need to be drawn to. There's something I'm missing. And I know there's a rock concert going on, but there's something about this man that makes me be drawn to him. Without any flyer, without any Facebook, without any Twitter, without any Snapchat, sinners came to listen to a holy man preach. Notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees, the religious people, and the teachers, watch this, you would think that that made them happy. This made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. It's quiet because some of us have, are, are you going to be shaken in your philosophy here today? So Jesus told them the story, and I want you to take this picture here. If a man has a hundred sheep, And one of them gets lost. He has a hundred sheep. And one, just one, 
Not two, not three, not four. That's still a low number. Just one gets lost. What will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he, watch this, and when he founds it, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home. Joyfully carry it home. I think we have this picture in the body of Christ as leaders. When the backslider comes on, we're like, see, you shouldn't have gone that way. See what's happened to you. You didn't obey. He's like, no, I'm going to joyfully pick you up, and I'm going to joyfully take you back home. Joyfully. Watch this. And he, and he joyfully takes it home. Watch this. When, look at verse 6. When he arrives, he will call. Look, look at this is the heart of God. He, what, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found, watch this. this the Lord highlighted this to me last night. My lost sheep. Not just a lost sheep. He goes, they're lost. They're miserable. They're hurting. They're confused. Life has made them turn this way from following, but they're still mine. Lost sheep. I found my, they're mine. She's mine. He's mine. That son is mine. That wayward daughter is mine. That mother is still mine. It says, my lost sheep. Look at it. Rejoice for I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, watch this. There is more joy in all of heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. There's more joy in heaven over one person that is lost that comes and finds Jesus again or Jesus finds them again and comes back home. There is more joy for one than 99 righteous ones that are still on the right track. That doesn't mean he's not rejoicing in your path. That means he knows that if those people keep on going in the wrong path, that there's darkness for them. So guess what? What causes all of heaven to rejoice and in, in a one combustion? Think about this. All of heaven sings out in spontaneous chorus, in jubilation, all of heaven over one person that turns from being astray or not knowing the Lord and turns to the Lord that causes all of heaven to rejoice now when I say all of heaven it means all of heaven that means the angels that means the seraphim the cherubim that means the 24 elders that cast their crown on their uh, their, their crowns to Jesus even the living creatures with eyes all over even Archangel Michael and Gabriel and dare I say even Jesus is going there she is she's coming home there he is and all at the same time there's more party in heaven over one person that goes astray and is found than the righteous that are astray you know what you know why we love parties because God loves the party no, 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 seriously. Everywhere you see a Bible, there's a celebration. Jesus said that there's a party in heaven over one sinner that comes to the Lord. They throw a party. How about in the, in the marriage supper of the Lamb? That's a party, the celebration. Of course, he doesn't party like some of us do. But what I'm saying is there, I want you to see the picture of a desperate search for a soul. Why do I say this? Because if you don't know the value of a soul, you will not speak about Jesus because you don't know the value of who you are to God and that God will go straight great lengths to get you back into his kingdom. If you keep reading, look at verse, uh, the next verse, look at real, real quick. Look at verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Searches carefully. Have you guys ever lost 
something and you search frantically for it? The desperation that is showing here is the value of a soul to God. Even one person is important to him. Come on, say amen. And when she finds it, she will call her friends. Look at this. And neighbors. He's giving us a glimpse of the emotions of God. And when she finds it, call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Do you see that this is the almost sadly the, the exact opposite of the church paradigm that we're seeing right now? If we want revival, we can't have revival with the same old people. We need to have an outward extent. If you don't have an outward expression of love, it's because you have forgotten how great and how far and how wide and how deep his love is for humanity. You have forgotten that one day you were in darkness and Jesus sent relentlessly people to you, sending scriptures to you, inviting you to church. And you finally said, fine, I'll give you up and I'll go one more time. And that one time that you came, God encountered you. Or, he, or in your car, you heard something and God encountered you in a real way. Not Listen, I was, in really, I was in church all my life and never got encountered. You could go to church and never get encountered by God. But when you get encountered by God, by God, not religion, but God, it will change your life. And I think the reason why I'm sharing this is because we have to go for that one more soul. God is always going after one more soul. Ask yourself this question. When is the last time you and I talked to somebody outside of church about the goodness of God and Jesus and led them to the Lord? It got quiet up in RCC. When's the last time in our busy schedule that we stopped looking inward and started looking at hurting people? Do you know why people get on your nerves? Because they're hurting too, and then you're hurting. So two hurting people, two frustrated people cannot be able to bring people to freedom. But we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, and we're supposed to be the light of the world. You know what one of the things that salt does? Salt wakes people up. If you're unconscious, they put smelling salt in people so that they can wake up. And if we're the salt of the earth, we're supposed to wake people up. And you know what salt also does? Is it makes people thirsty. If you give salt cubes to somebody, they'll go crazy. We're supposed to make people thirsty for Jesus. What are people saying when they encounter you? What are they saying? And, and, and believe me, I'm, preach, I'm preaching to myself here. That's why God is after the one that is going astray. And if God is after the one, then we should have that same heart too. We should always be in, this, in the people business. Once we, listen, once we embrace and once we know God's emotion on something, it will make it easier for us to align ourselves into what he loves and what he hates. I'm going to say that again because no one said amen to that. Once you know how he is moved by something, it will make it easier for you to align yourself to what he loves and what he hates. Can I hear an amen? Because all you have to do, now I want you to put this first slide up so you can know. Let's put this first slide up. All we have to do to get to know the value of a soul to God is to take a deeper look at the cross of Christ and all that he suffered for humanity. It's up there on your screen. If you want to know the value of, of humanity to God, of a soul to God, all you have to do, look no further, look and re-examine the crucifixion of Christ. Sadly, we only preach the cross at Easter time and then that's it. Good Friday, Easter, we pre preach messages about the cross. But let me tell you something. 
if you ever doubt your value, the cross is not just a revelation of the need for your sin. It's a, re a revelation of your value to God. That's good. The cross is a revelation of your value to, 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 to God. Why? Why the cross? Because the Bible says, and I said in the worship, that he was punched, he was mirrored, he was marred more than any man. There's historians that say that Jesus was unrecognizable because his head was uh, the size of, of, of two heads because they, they punched him so much, they spat upon him. Yet he was relentless in his mission because of his value for a soul. He went through all kinds of rejection for that. So if you want to know the value of a soul, re-examine the cross. And re-examine how he changed your life from darkness to light. Can I hear an amen? So talking to people about Jesus and introducing people who don't know him is, uh, is much easier when you know what moves his heart. You know what I feel is, is missing in the church? This is almost a rare thing. What's missing in the church is compassion. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. I want to share a story with you. Now, in, in the book of Mark, I believe, let me make sure. Yeah, in the book of Mark chapter 6, turn there. Mark chapter 6. In the New King James Version, there's a story that Jesus and the disciples are tired. L look at me, church. They're tired. They haven't eaten for days and haven't slept for days. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but if you're like me and you haven't eaten in a while and you haven't slept in a while, you just get a little cranky. I know that doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me. And you just get a little cranky, and you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. I want to eat. I see people going like this. That's you. <laughs> if you don't eat for a couple days, and you don't sleep for a couple days, the last thing on your mind is, let me stop what I'm doing and minister to you. Right? Let's be honest. That's the last thing that we want to do. We're cranky. We're busy. We don't want to do anything, yet we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now, I want you to look at what happened to Jesus, because you think we're busy. Jesus and his disciples were having revival services every day to the point where the Bible actually says they had not, they had not eaten. And I want you to see the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit and what caused Jesus to, watch this, are you ready? To be even inconvenienced for a soul. Do you know that sometimes the gospel is inconvenient? That got no amens. I think we're waiting for us to have the birds fly really nice and the, and the sun to shine and the voice to say, go talk to that person. Then we go talk to that person. But you know what? When you're cranking, you're miserable, and you're, and you're messed up, and you're tired, and the Holy Spirit wants to still move his love through you, through humanity, but we can't see it because we're so focused on ourselves. Christianity is a selfless expression of God's love. We've made it into all about us. My church, my song, my style, or the pastor doesn't preach this way, I'm going to leave it. He don't preach those Bethel songs, I'm going to be, they better preach those, sing those Bethel songs. It's been, church has been all about us. But the early church, it wasn't about that. The early church didn't say, you know what, Peter, I don't like this song, let's leave. The announcements are too long in this synagogue, I don't like this here right now, I'm leaving. Now I want you to see Mark chapter 6, watch this, let this stir you, Mark chapter 6 and I'm going to look at my screen. Look at verse 30. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him, watch this, told him all things both with what they had done and what they had taught. Look at, let's keep going. And he said to them, watch what Jesus said, all right? Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. Watch this. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They didn't have time to eat. 
Let that sink in. That means Jesus too. They had not time to eat. They were so busy loving on people. They didn't have time to eat probably for a couple days. So Jesus said, hey, listen, come over here for a while. Let's take a break. So he's recognizing, hey, we need to, we need to eat. In the process of getting something to eat, you all know Christians, you know what I'm talking about. Don't talk to me. I'm about to go to Taco Bell. Then, you know, <laughs> we're like part-time Christians. I'm a Christian at, from 9 to 5. After that, don't bother me. I'm going home and I'm cranky. This thing never turns off. Christianity never turns off. It's not like I'm a Christian, uh, you know, in my job, and then, whoo, I'm not a Christian now because I'm going to 7-Eleven, and I'm hungry. Look at what it says. So they departed to a, de to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. They're like, okay, finally, we're getting rest. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all cities. They arrived before them. Could you imagine? You're like, finally, I get away. I'm going to Carabas. Glory to God. Whew. Okay, just had a, someone speaking in tongues back there. Uh, we're going away. Man, we just watched watch this modern day. Man, we just finished a conference. I'm tired. Just finished preaching to people about Jesus. Now let's just relax. Let's turn it off. Let's go to eat. They were going to go to eat. The multitudes were there. They ran before him and came together to him. Look at verse 34. Verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude. Are you ready for this? And he was moved with compassion for them. What did he do? Did he just say, guys, I really feel that these people need me. Let's just pray for them. That's what we do. In his hungriness, in his tiredness, in his getting away to a little restaurant. He was moved with compassion, watch this, but because he noticed that there were like sheep not having shepherds. So watch this. He began to teach them many things. He had another conference after the conference. He did not shut his love off because he was seeking to get rest. Let me tell you something. I know that may sound a little insensitive to you, but what that is showing you is that Jesus would be interrupted even from self-comfort to go after souls that were in darkness. Jesus would go to the extra mile when he's tired and sleepy and cranky. He says, no, these people have no shepherds. I got to do something because nobody else is going to do something. Now, I'm going to prove it to you. It keeps on going. And then his disciples are like, okay, I really had enough. They're convincing Jesus to stop. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, stop loving on people. We need to eat. I know people are going to hell, but let them, let, let, just, let, 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 let's just eat for a little bit. They could kill themselves. Let, just told, told, tell them to hold off on that suicidal thought for a second. Now, watch. And, okay. 35. Look at the 35. When the day was now far spent. Ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit here. His disciples, his disciples, the ones, the leaders of Jesus, came and said, this is a deserted place. Already the hour is late. It's like, come on, Jesus, we're hungry. Look at this. Look at this. Send them away. Send them away. People have become a bothersome to Christians, and that can't be the true expression of Christianity. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you love God, and you have issues with people, then you need to be resaved. 
if people bother you, then you, it's a reflection of your lack of understanding of the, of the love of God that is in you. Because if people are a bother to you, then you and I have not spent enough time realizing the depth of a soul to God. Send them away. For that they may go into the surrounding cities. I love what Jesus said. Jesus is so gangster. Look, look what he said. And villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. In other words, go ahead. Send them away. We're hungry. It's been two days we haven't eaten. And now you're teaching them after the conference. Watch this. But he answered and said, you give them something to eat. <laughs> I love that. He goes, I'm not going to give them something to eat. You've been with me. You give them something to eat. Now I want to pause right there. He, he, he says, you, he says, you want to know the kingdom? He goes, you go get them something to eat. It's your responsibility to feed them. Do you realize that it's our responsibility as Christians to feed spiritually those who are lost? To reach and seek those which were lost. If Jesus was sent out to seek and save those which were lost, we have become Christians that are complaining about Everything. Our AC goes off. We're ready to, to backslide. Oh, my AC in my car's not working. I am not going to church anymore. You know what? I've tithed and I've, I've gave offerings. And you know what? My AC's not working. I'm just going to backslide. She just came from Haiti and saw people literally dying in her arms. And people had no AC, no roof over their head. And they were rejoicing and they were happy because they had Jesus. Do you realize that this being moved by compassion is something that we need to pray for again. When's the last time? As a matter of fact, pray that right now. Lord, let me be moved with compassion again for people. Let me be moved. How do you do that? It's just not a magic trick. Case your eyes on what Jesus did for you. Search the scripture and then automatically the compassion of God will come for you. But you know what? Conviction is a good thing. If you're feeling convicted, it's okay. God loves that. Because if you're feeling convicted about your, your stale Christianity and not loving other people, you know what? Then that means your heart has become hardened. Let me tell you something. You know why conviction is good? It's because you're still sensitive to the voice of God. If it doesn't bother you anymore and it used to bother you, it's not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of desensitization. It means you got desensitized through hurt, through pain, through sin. Can I hear an amen? And I have a story. That relates to this for lack of compassion. I, 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 I want to share a story with you. Now, uh, I love coffee. How many love coffee in this place? Especially that good old Bustelo coffee. That Cuban coffee. Puerto Rican coffee. Strong coffee, right? So I have to have my coffee. Like, you know, some people, I have to have my coffee or I'm going to punch somebody, right? Come on, preach somebody. You got the Holy Spirit, then you got coffee. <laughs> so... I go to this place called Hoover's. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said it, but I go, to, I go to this place there. And it's, um, it's an organic uh, food place. And so I, I, amen. And I go there because I'm trying to eat healthy. So I go there, and for months I go there, and I just order these pure organic coffee ground beans. And I, we grind them, and I grind them there. And there will be times where nothing is there. And I would go there over and over again. Hey, bro, this coffee thing is not there. And one time I, I even made a little big deal out of it. Hey, bro, you know, uh, can I talk to your manager here? Uh, uh, there's not, nothing rude, but I just say, you know, there's no coffee. You know, could you please order that for me? And I said, no problem, sir. Well, I'll order that for you. And they called me, and I kept going. So they would see my face. That's the coffee guy. That's the coffee guy. Every time I... I come to this organic place, hey, what's up, man? I'm the coffee guy, right? And so I'm just wanting coffee. I'm not being rude, but I just want coffee. Nice coffee. They get it. 
So I've been doing that for months, doing that for months. You know, my organic coffee goes out, I'll go over there because I'm trying to eat healthy. They grind it there for you. So I'm there just like last week, two weeks ago, and I see this one guy, and he's, he's there all the time. He's like, yo, what's up? I'm like, what's going on, man? I go, I don't need coffee today, man. He's like, oh, all right. And then he got serious. He goes, man, hey, I, you, never, you never forget, you never believe this, man. I go, what's up? He goes, I came and I, uh, uh, my, my, my girlfriend came one time when you were here and you weren't noticing, and she said that you are her pastor. Go, really? Uh, let me see, let me see, who is that? Because, you know, I see a lot of people, and I sometimes don't remember. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I showed, she showed me a picture, and I was like, I really don't remember. It's not here. <laughs> I'm not calling any of you out. And so I remember when I looked at the picture, it was a young person that used to go to Remnant Youth when I was a youth pastor. So they said, yeah, she, she, she said that you're, you're, you were her pastor, that, you, that the Lord used you to change her life. And then this guy said to me that her, his girlfriend said, hasn't he talked to you about God yet? And this guy told me that he told her, no, I told her that all he asks is about coffee. And I said, and I started talking to him about God. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That guy knew me as the coffee guy, not as the man of God. Because I was so busy with my needs and my timeline and my grocery shopping list and, and my agenda that not one time that I encountered this man that I opened my mouth. Now, was I sinful? No. Was I living a godly life? Yes. But I was so caught up with my agenda Help us, Lord, that all he knew me was the coffee guy. I repented in my heart, and I began to talk to him about the gospel. And the Lord ended up giving me a word of knowledge for him. I go, do you have parents that love the Lord and are saved? He goes, yes. I go, I felt that right now. I started ministering to him. Long story short, I got to my car, and I realized, where is the compassion of God's people? For months, I was going there as a pastor, as a man of God, but I went there with an agenda of earthly things instead of an agenda from heaven. When's the last time you went to Walmart, Publix, Target, whatever you go to, and encounter someone and that you feel like they always see you? Guys, that's not coincidence. God wants you to share the love of God because you know what? And I don't want to say this because this is live, but it ended up being that he needed counseling because he was going through some hurt. My agenda was to get coffee. God's agenda was there's someone hurting there that I want you to talk to, me, to them about me. And I missed that assignment. But guess what? I got it right. Do you know that word moved with compassion means? It means an earnest yearning. So that means when you could put this word here, and Jesus was earnestly yearning with compassion when he saw the crowd that had no sheep. Now, I don't want you to laugh, but you are probably going to laugh. But you can look this up. Do you know that word, that phrase, moved with compassion, the Greek means? It's like a bowel movement. I know that sounds funny. It's a movement that requires sudden action. And I know that you're going to probably laugh. I'm not trying to get you to laugh. But when you have a bowel movement in the natural, there is an immediate response for you to take action right on the spot. You don't say, well, for later. No. You, when you got to go, you got to go. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it, the Greek connotation is significant of a movement that makes you move from one direction to the other in a moment. 
You know that pain that you feel when you have to go? It's the pain of a soul that God, no, I'm serious. It's the pain of a soul that God is putting in your heart so that you can stop what you're doing. And watch this. Dare I say, be a little bit hungry. Maybe be 15 minutes late to your appointment in Carabas or Taco Bell or Burger King or Jeremiah's ice cream. <laughs> and look at the value of a soul. Can someone say amen? And I look at Lou. And he was given an announcement. Some of you don't know this. His, his wife and family were praying for him for years. And he was out there and he was doing some stuff that was not good. He was doing a lot of stuff that was not good. He had a praying wife. And look, watch this. Without the benefit of a preacher, he's in his truck. And he's driving. And all of a sudden he starts shaking years ago. Convulsively. He starts throwing up. He starts shaking. God's delivering him. He starts throwing all his, his weed and all that stuff out of the, of the car. Why? Because God was encountering him. He was shaking uncontrollably without a benefit of a preacher. Why? Because God is pursuing the 99. I mean the one. He's, he's pursuing the one. And he's leaving the 99 because that's how far he would go. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we think people that have the gift of evangelism are the only people that need to talk to about Jesus. I can't find anywhere in the scripture where that justifies it. There, just because you're not charismatic and you don't have the gift of evangelism doesn't mean that you can't tell people about Jesus. In your workplace. In your school. Why? When's the last time you, you actually led someone to the Lord or at least said you need to turn and you need to come back to God? When's the last time we did that? There's a difference. I want you to write this down. There's a difference between morality and being saved. You could be moral because there's a lot of good moral people. But morality alone doesn't earn us the ticket of an eternal dwelling place in heaven. Because if that's the case, the Father would never send Jesus. He would say, look, morality alone will do it. We all have this thing. And I'm going to share that in a moment. So why do I say this? Because I want you to, I'm going to put a couple of points here on the screen before we leave. And, um, and I'm going to share with you to be stirred. How many are being stirred this morning? The next slide. Put that next slide up there, Zach. The next slide here. I want you to see. There's some reasons why we can't remain silent about sharing Jesus with others. I'm going to give you four reasons this morning why you and I can't remain silent. Now, Again, it's not just for the preachers. It's not just for the teachers. It's not just for the mature Christian. It's for everyone who believes. You know that the Bible, Jesus said, all these things will happen to those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. Okay, speak with new tongues. It doesn't say only for the gifted people, for the gifted evangelist. No, it says everybody. Everybody. Now, it's different. For me and you but we all have an opportunity to share our faith can i hear an amen the first reason let's do a number one the first reason that we can't stay silent about jesus and it's going to be up on the screen it's going to be up on the screen it's a command from the lord not a suggestion say that with me it's a command not a suggestion the great commission is the great commission not the great suggestion the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission, and it starts with a command. Look at Mark chapter 16 with me. In the NLT, this is good stuff. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Mark, six, March, wow. Mark 16, Mark 16, verse 15 in the NLT. If you're there, say amen. You can follow on your tablet. And then he told them, are you ready? Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Here's a revelation. Are you ready? 
Everyone in the Greek means everyone. Everyone means every created person. Everyone, even the ones that get on your nerves, even those hard family members. Does it mean that you have to lead them to the Lord? It means that you need to be able to be a light in every dark place. And that you need to stand up for Jesus when you're in the midst of persecution or whatnot. Every creature means every created thing. It's funny because someone said to me years ago, you know, Pastor George, you know, discipleship and evangelism go in the same category. Listen to me. Hear me what I say. A lot of people used to say to me about discipleship and about evangelism. You know, well, that's Brother George. I'm more hospitality. That's my gift. You know, I like to open my home or I'm, I'm more up here and I'm, I'm in the arts. But evangelism is not my calling and, I, and, and discipleship is not my calling. And I'm like, you're right. It's not your calling. It's a command. You and I don't pick and choose which commands we want to do and which commands we don't want to do. The commandment that has, the command that is with every Christian, watch this, the lawyer, the doctor, the banker, the pastor, the, 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 uh, the insurance agent, the techie guy, the worship guy, the arts guy, the, whatever, we are all commanded, watch this, to go. My friends, there have been a green light ever since Calvary and it's never been a red light. There's never been a time, I'm going to tell you one thing really powerful, you will never find a scripture of Jesus telling you not to talk to people about him. You won't find one. You may find the timing of when to do it, but he will never say, never talk to me, to, to people about me. So if you're trying to search for a scripture for that, I'm sorry, you can't find one. You will never find a scripture that says, stop talking about the saving power of Jesus. Come on, say amen. He says, go into every place and preach to everyone about the good news. Why is the good news? What's the good news? The good news is that salvation has come to humanity. Hello? The good news is that salvation has come to humanity. And that is why we call it the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. We, as the body of Christ, must realize that we're all commanded to go. Say go. Say go. One more time. Say go. All of us. There's a, there's a, a, a bullhorn from heaven that's saying go. If we could have, if I could have the worship team come up, please, as I close. The second reason... Are you guys getting something this morning? Is the Holy Spirit moving you? How many feel honestly that, you don't have to raise your hand, that there are times when you're more, for, more, you're more focused on your schedule and agenda that you missed an opportunity? You've missed an opportunity when people are dying. Let me tell you, can I, please, please, I'm trying to be sensitive to, to, to people here. But if you knew someone was dying of, a, of irreplaceable disease and you secretly had the cure, would you keep it to yourself? Let me take it a little step further. If you knew someone that you had, you knew personally that was dying of a disease, and you actually had the cure, would you keep it to yourself for fear of people saying, she's just crazy, he's just crazy, no one has a cure for that. We have the cure for the greatest and deadliest disease of humanity called sin, and we don't share it because we're afraid that someone that we don't know is going to persecute us, and we don't even know them. We value their opinion more than a soul that's about to... to we, we value the guy at 7-Eleven that's about to say, you're just a religious fanatic. We value their opinion more than the soul that's dying, and we, we have the answer. Guys, it's time for one more soul. The second reason, we could, we could have um, our team come up. Put that up there. The second reason is... The signal got up. The spiritual bankruptcy of humanity. 
That was good. That was a good place to say amen. The spiritual bankruptcy of humanity. What do I say spiritual bankruptcy? Because every one of us, including me, without the goodness of God, we have fallen short of God's standards. The Bible says none does good. And then the Bible says in Romans 3, it says all have sinned and come short of God's standards. All have, sin, all have sinned and, and fallen short of God's standards. The wages of sin is death. So that means all of us are spiritually bankrupt. Hear me now. Spiritually bankrupt in our soul without the regeneration of the Holy Spirit saving us. All of us. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. Do it, do it by, by, by nature. By nature, we are born into this lifestyle. That's why we need a Savior. Now, whether you agree with me or not, that's not that's an issue that you have to take up yourself. But I'm going to show it to you so you won't think it's just my opinion. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Say, that's good, PG. Look at verse 21 in the NLT. Look at NLT. But now God has shown us a way to be right with him. This is not me speaking. This is the Bible. Without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses in the prophets long ago. Look at verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Keep going. For everyone. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was far fair beyond what we could imagine. He held and did not punish those who sinned in the times past. Look at me, look at me, look at me. We are saved not by our own works. Are you ready for this? Not by our own church attendance. Not by good works that we do. All of us have sinned. So there's a spiritual bankruptcy. The first thing that Jesus said when he did the Beatitudes, when he went upon the mountain and he spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing he said, you would think there'd be this deep revelation. He gets up on the mountain and before he says anything, Part, the first sermon, are you ready, was blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It's a revelation that without Jesus we are spiritually bankrupt. What does that produce? Are you ready? This is good. It produces a dependency on God when we, we realize that we can't do it on our own. Independence is good, but if independence comes as a way of you saying, I don't need you, God. I got this on my own. Then you are missing what God wants because God doesn't want independence. He wants dependence on him. And you know what? When people don't have a mother or people don't have a father growing up or, or they got hurt, you know what happens? Young people, they end up losing their youth, youthful years because they have to grow up fast. Come on, I'm preaching good here. They have to grow up real fast, so they become by nature independent. They start washing the clothes at 8, cooking at 9, doing all the chores at 11, and they'll become very independent because they're forced to be because there was a, watch this, bankruptcy in their life. There was no father, there was no mother, there was whatever happened to their life, and so they were forced to be independent. And now when they get saved, they have a hard time 
letting God do things because they want to do it all themselves. They're independent. When we realize that we are bankrupt, guess what? You'll let go, and it will produce a dependence on you with God. I say, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it. I need to be dependent on the Father. Can I hear an amen? That's why we can't stay silent. We can't stay silent because humanity is bankrupt without God. Can I hear an amen? We're bankrupt without God. It's the shed blood of Jesus that makes us white as snow. Come on, somebody. Not that old hymn. What could make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could make me whole again? Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. It's his blood. That's the second reason. Can I hear an amen? I know God's touching you. Number three. The third reason that we can't stay silent, and I'm almost done here, is that there's no other name other than the name of Jesus that has been given for humanity for us to be saved. There's no other name. Some of us wish there was another name, like, you know what, good, good, doing good things or being a good Christian. The Bible said there is no other name given in heaven or on earth by which men should be saved. Think about that. Why, can't, why do we need to open up our mouth for, about Jesus? Because there is no other name other than Jesus given to people for humanity to be saved. Listen, you can get in a dinner table and you can talk about God all you want and it's not threatening to anybody. The moment you mention Jesus, all hell starts breaking loose. But you know God, you know God is this and God is a tree to this guy, God is Allah to this guy. But when you start saying Jesus, there is no other name. Look at Acts real quick. Put that scripture up there, Zach. Acts, look at this. I'm going to share a story and I'm going I'm to close this in a minute. Is this good? Acts chapter 4, look at verse 7. Acts chapter 4, verse 7. They brought in two disciples and demanded by what power or whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the guy who got healed at the gate who was paralyzed. They, 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 they healed him, right? In the name of Jesus. Peter, filled with the Spirit, he said, rulers and elders of our people. Watch this. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed? I'll turn around because that do you know what he, how he was healed? Look at verse, verse 10. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful what? Come on, powerful what? Name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, that man you crucified, but whom God raised up from the dead. Watch this. Look at this. Watch this. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures of the cornerstone. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Here's the key. There is salvation. Woo! And no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Listen to me. Years ago, I've had a fade for years. Fade. And I used to go to this barber who was agnostic years ago. He was a high school friend. And I went there and, um, you know, he did okay fades. But I did it because I wanted to be a light. And one day we got in a conversation. I'll never forget this. This was years ago. We got in a conversation. And he's like, why, why, why do you do this? Why don't you do that? That's boring. Why do you, well, that's just, I don't believe in that. Why does God have to do that? Then why did God send the flood? So he was very questioning everything. You got those people that question everything. So I began to come in a battle with him. See, that's what we do. We try to win the battle. God's not calling you to win the battle. I said, God's not calling you to win the battle. The argument. It, listen, if someone could argue with you into the faith, someone could argue you right back out of the faith. 
It's always, always going to be smarter than somebody else. So I'm going at it with him. And then, and then I remember he's, I, I, we had like this battle plan. We had a battle plan. He goes, all right, in three weeks when you come for your next, true story, when you come for your next haircut, you bring all your books and I'll bring my books. I'm like, that's right. We're going to do, you're going down. I'm like, you're going to, in my mind, I'm going to prove him. So we're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm getting ready. I leave the barber shop, And as I'm going to the parking lot, I hear the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart. Do you see how he successfully steered you away from the name of Jesus? And all you were doing is arguing. You didn't mention me at all. You were just mentioning how, how this happens and this happens. And you're trying to outwit him. And it's not going to save him. So I said, what do you want me to bring him? Literally, this, this, this is a true story. I heard the Lord say, John 14. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm like, that's it? He goes, that's it. I felt that in my heart. So I was like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win the battle here. I want to win the argument. God says, don't say anything else. So I come in. Three weeks later, he goes, hey, what's up? He goes, yay, what's going up? You ready? I go, yep, yes, sir, I'm ready. Getting a haircut. He goes, what you got for me? I said, John 14, verse 6. What does that say? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He goes, that's all you have? I go, that's all I have because that's all you need. And he got upset with me because he had all these books. I said, and he said it again. Well, how about this? And he was trying to point something about the flood and how God is not a loving God because of that. And I go, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And he taught, Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. And he got upset, and I finally said to him, the only way that you could get saved, I said, you were hurt when you were little by the church. And he stood quiet. I said, the only person that has the power to save you is Jesus. He's the only name. There's only one name given under heaven that much man to be saved. Now, here, let me just tell you something encouraging. It's not our job to change people. It's not our job to see results right then because that's what the devil will do. See, they didn't get saved. See, go back to that old way of trying to debate. No, no, no. Here's what scripture that set me free. Are you ready? I'm almost closing, but I feel the Lord. How many feel the Lord? This scripture changed my life, and I'm not going to have time to put it. But Paul says, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. You don't put a seed in your backyard and you put like an apple seed and you say, grow. Now grow and grow. Lift up those leaves. You can't do anything. Your job is two things. Plant water. Plant water. Plant water. Here's good news for you and I. You don't have to see results to know that you're being obedient to God. You don't have to see them get saved. All you have to do is, you know what? Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. You know what you're doing? Putting that little seed. And you walk away. God's going, shh. And then two months later, they bump into somebody in, the, in a restaurant, and they start talking to them about the Lord. There's that water, that water, that water. And then another time in school, they're bumping into having a bad problem, bad day, and then someone starts talking to them about the love of Jesus and the plan of God for their life. Water, water. Until one day, they meet you in a parking lot, and all you do is Jesus loves you. They're like, oh. And you're like, man, this is pretty easy. What you don't know is that people have been watering and sowing and watering and sowing and watering and sowing all their life till God gave the increase at one moment in their life and then they got saved. But it took people to get them there. My friend led me to the Lord because he was not ashamed 
to, for me to, to, relieve, to make fun of him. And he kept pursuing me. My friend Joshua, I'm eternally grateful for. Pursuing me, I thought he was crazy. He kept pursuing, 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 until finally I went and in my 1989 Mazda pickup truck, no music in the background, heaven invaded my life, and I've never been the same. In 1990, God changed my life. 1991, the Holy Spirit came down, and he changed my life forever. And it wasn't easy. I had some persecution. Let me tell you something. I looked in the mirror. I know this sounds crazy. I looked in the mirror and I, and I saw something different about me. I saw love. I saw light in my eyes. And I looked. I go, this is, you're different. Me. Because Jesus is real. It's time that we make him real. The last thing. Are you ready? Here's the last point. And then we're going to pray. I feel the Holy Spirit touching people's lives. The last point, and I'm closing with this, I promise. The, pro the proclaiming of the gospel, the good news of salvation, watch this, will quicken the Lord's return to the earth. Do you know that you and I have the ability to actually quicken the Lord's return to the earth? Oh, Pastor George, that's blasphemy. How can you say that? How can you say that the, uh, the timing of the Lord coming back to the earth to get his people is quickened by us evangelizing? I'm glad you asked that. Look at the last scripture. Last scripture, Mark, Matthew 24, and I'm closing. How many being stirred this morning? Matthew 24, here it goes. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. This is Jesus speaking. In all the world as a witness to all the nation. Then the end will come. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus. Actually, when people, I'm going to say 2017 version. The more people get saved, the faster he's returning. You know what our job is? Plunder hell and populate heaven. Our job is to plunder hell and to populate heaven because us in this room, we need to have a valuable soul and we need to repent for selfish Christianity. I said we need to repent for selfish Christianity. Open your mouth. You may say, Pastor George, I don't know anything but John 3.16. Use that. You don't have to use a formula. Just say, man, I was once lost, now I'm found. I was once bound, and now I'm free. And because Jesus came into my life, and you need Jesus too, bro. I want everyone to pull out their card that they have right now. I want you to pull out your card because we're about to pray. We're about to pray. <sighs> Holy Spirit speaking to you. I said, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Are we being moved by compassion today? Are, are we tired and want to go to, 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 to food and we want to go to eat and we want to go to sleep and we want to take a nap? How about people that are going to encounter you this week? How about people that are saying, nobody knows this, but I'm cutting myself at work. No one knows this, but I'm... How about people who never tell you that they're struggling and they're smiling on the outside, but deep down inside they're hurting? What about them? What about your friends? Are you ready? What about you? What about you? Have you felt that you've been so far from the Lord because you feel ashamed about what you've done? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God says there is no condemnation. I want you to take that, that paper out right now, and then we're going to do this song right here. Are you guys ready? I want you to take that paper out. Get a pen real quick. 
And I want you right now to fill out one or two people by faith that you want to get. I want everyone to stand up right now. Come on. I want everyone to stand up. I know we're running a little late. I told Gus and I told my wife, but I, I, this is important. This is important. Write somebody down right now that you're believing to come to Jesus. Come on, right now. We're about to close right now, so I apologize. Write them down right now. Come on. Take 30 seconds right now to believe God to, 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 to answer that prayer. If you can't do it right now, make sure you do that. And I want you to pray for this. This is your challenge. From here on out, I want you to pray for those individuals. And I want you to invite them to RCC in the next six weeks. Would you do that? Would you do that? Write them down. Come on. Are you ready? How many want to be moved with compassion this morning again? Come on. How many want to be moved with compassion again this morning? How many want to be really like Jesus and go after that one more soul? Come on, lift up your hands right now before we leave. Come on, lift up your hands all over this place. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would encounter us, that you would release your presence, that you would release your power, that you would release your love in our hearts, Lord God, that you forgive us for being selfish, Lord God, and, and, and about our needs and about our, our coffee and about our, our programs and about our food, Lord. Help us to have the compassion again for, for people as we once did when we got saved, Lord God. This is not just for the evangelists. This is not just for the missionaries. This is not just for the pastors. It's for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Father, would you use this community to spark, Lord God, love in this community that people are waiting for an answer. They're waiting for salvation. They're waiting for someone to tell them Jesus loves them. May we not be so consumed with our church duties, with our church responsibilities, that we fail to be a light to people. Lord, let us snatch one more soul out of darkness and populate heaven with people that will come to the Lord. Come on, church, lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands right now all over this place. Come on. Come on, one more time.
your eyes right now in this room. You say, Pastor George, I want to be stirred again to go after one more soul. I want to be moved with compassion as Jesus was when he was tired and he was hungry, but he saw the multitudes and he was moved and he did something about it. Father, would you stir RCC up this morning to, focus, to lift up our focus of, off of us and onto you and onto those who are hurting. Even a simple God loves you will go away. Even a simple, can I pray for you for something? Lord, motivate us out of just coming to church and help us to be soul winners. The Bible says in Proverbs, he who wins souls is wise. Is wise. Is wise. Right now we pray. I want you to lift up your voice for the next 30 minutes, seconds, and pray for the people that you have. Come on, would you lift your voice right now? I want you to get that, that name, and I want you to begin to pray right now, out loud. Come on, out loud. I want you to open up your mouth. Johnny, Susie, uh, Tony, whoever it is. Come on, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for every person that's believing to get saved. We ask you to encounter them. Let them have a soul of Tarsus experience. Come on, pray for that family. Father, we pray for our families. We pray for our friends. We pray for our loved ones. Pray for our co-workers. Let them be encountered by God. Call them out by name. Susie. I've been astray. I've been around, uh, around it, but I, I, I need Jesus again in my life. He's here. There's no, no pit too deep that he can't get you out of. And you're in this place, and you say, Pastor George, I heard this, but this is not for other people. This is for me. All eyes closed. You want to get right with God, or you want to get saved for the first time. You've been away for a while. Count three, I want you to lift up your hands if that's you. I'm not talking about if you're living, if you're living for the Lord and you're struggling. No, God, God knows you're saved. But if you know that you, you haven't been walking with God and you want to give your life to the Lord, the count of three, just lift up your hands. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray. One, two, three. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. I see those hands back there. God bless you. God bless you. Everyone repeat after me before we leave. Say, Jesus, today I come home come back home and I'm asking you to come into my life again I want to be close to you again I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and draw me near by your blood because I'm forgiven because of what you did on the cross so today I make a decision to come back to Jesus I'm not perfect but I know you will forgive me and give me the grace and the strength to turn from worldliness to fully to you in Jesus name and everyone said thank you for tuning into our podcast for more information about us please visit remnantchristiancenter.com